what a year this has been so far. For those of you that are listening to this, after we have found a cure for the coronavirus and after we have completely settled down and everything's back to normal and the world is no longer on fire, this was recorded back when the world was on fire. And even though people are stressed and they're overwhelmed, it is incredible how you will find inspiration if you look for it. And it's even more incredible what you can do with that inspiration if you get a little bit of help and you use it to give you some direction. So I'm going to tell you a story about something that happened to me just a couple days ago. I set a goal right when the coronavirus happened. All of the people on our program know because I made a video about this and I've been training for it. My goal is that I want to run a 534 mile, which 534 when I ran that when I was 17 years old in high school track is not a fast mile. In fact, it's very, very average. But at my current age, almost 50, it would be a very, very fast mile. And I've always thought, I wonder if I could you know, run that again. And so I decided that when this coronavirus situation happened and all of a sudden a lot of the social situations that we had were no longer going to exist, I decided that I was going to see if I could duplicate that and beat that time at this age. So I've been training. I've been lowering my times consistently. And I've got about nine months left to run it. I'm making progress every time I run. Well, two days ago, I was out at my high school track. And I was, uh, my workout was I was walking a mile, and then I was running a timed mile, and then walking one and running a timed mile. Well, as I was coming around the track after the first lap, uh, I was watching because the football team, the high school football team, was out there practicing, and it was kind of a, a neat moment to reminisce because it, it was just it was just nice. I mean, I was watching them. The coaches were yelling at them, and you know, I remember being on that field and playing football on that field because I, I played football there and was an awful football player, I might add. Well, the second lap around the track, I was still walking. I was in the warm-up, and uh, I was looking around and just kind of reminiscing more. And the third time around the track, I walked by this guy. Now this guy was clearly an athlete. You could tell. Uh, he wasn't a big guy. He wasn't like six feet tall, and he didn't look like he was one of the uh, parents of one of the one of the kids that were on the football field. But you could tell that this guy was a real athlete. He, he had some what looked like some really bright, expensive shoes that he was getting ready to do some sprinting. And I, as I passed by him, I was thinking. Who is this guy? It, it just didn't look right. It looked too athletic for for what was going on there. So then I, I kept walking. I came around the track again. When I got around the next time, I passed him again, and he was getting ready. He was setting up blocks. He was going to do some hardcore sprinting. He was going to be using blocks. Now, you don't put blocks on a track unless you're seriously working out. So I was just curious. You know, I've been in the health and fitness business for a long time now, and, you know, I exercise consistently, obviously, and I'm watching him, and I just keep going. Well, now I get around the track again, and it's time to run my mile. So I start running. Now, as I'm coming around to pass him again, I'm on my fifth lap of the 16 I'm going to do that day. I see that he's kind of stretching, and he actually positioned an extra shoe that he brought in the, in, at, at about 15 meters out from his starting point where he was going to come off the blocks. And runners will do that because they want to keep uh, their head down 
for that first part of, of the sprint, that's when they drive into and start building up speed and power. And I, I figured that's what it was, but I just kept watching. So I'm, I'm running down the track now. It's against my first lap. And sure enough, all of a sudden, about halfway down the track, I hear him coming. And this guy blew past me so fast. Like, it was, he was like lightning. The guy was running so hard and so fast, and he had set hurdles up that I noticed earlier, and he was blowing over these hurdles. I mean, and if you've ever some, seen somebody that uh, does hurdles well, it's so cool to watch somebody do hurdles well because the hurdles are crazy. Like jumping up while you're in a full sprint, it's just insane. But when they do it right, they just gracefully pop over them and just glide over them and miss it by, you know, half an inch. And this guy was just killing it. Now, I promise you that you are if you're not inspired by this story yet, don't worry, because this isn't the inspiring part. But when I get to the punchline here in a minute, and then you listen to the inter interview of him at the end of this, you're going to be inspired because it's going to show you what's possible, and it's going to show you to do exactly what the title of this podcast um, offers. So anyhow, guy blows past me, and I, I run another lap. So I come, I'm on the second lap of my mile, and he's cooling down now, get just kind of walking and uh, letting his heart rate come down because he's probably getting ready to do another one. So I, I do my third lap, and I'm coming around, and I pass him again, and he's getting ready on the blocks. Soon as I'm halfway down again, here he comes again. I hear his feet, and I mean, when he went by me, like the wind pushed me a little bit closer to the middle of the track because the guy was screaming. He was going so fast. It was amazing to see this guy run. So then I, I kept running, and I finished my time. I'll look at my time. I beat it by a little bit more than 12 seconds that day. It was a good run. And, you know, I kept watching this guy. There was something going on. So... I walked another lap as I was cooling down. I saw him cooling down. Then I walked another one because I'm on my third mile right now, which is the walking mile. And as I'm coming around for that next lap, I said to him, I said, hey, uh, you look fast. And he said, yeah, not bad for a 65-year-old guy, huh? And that's why this story is amazing. Because he really isn't 65. He's 64. Um, he's 5'5". Five five. And the guy is out there training to be a competitive athlete at 65, 64, year old, 64 years old. And you're going to hear him talking about it in the interview. It's just such an inspirational interview. It is. But what's incredible is, is that there are so many people that, you know, as they get older, they think they're just too older to do extraordinary things. They're, they think that, you know, they can't be an athlete or maybe they want to do something with their business or they want to write a book or they want to do something that matters in their life and they just feel like that time has passed. Well, you're going to hear in this interview that this guy was a hurdler in school 43 years ago. Then in 2017, he said, you know what? Like I heard about this game in Nebraska called the Cornhusker Games and I should start training for this. And he had not run, run over a hurdle for 43 years. And then he decided he was going to do something big with his health when he had that opportunity to compete again and started training hard. Went to the games and won four gold medals at the games. It, it's just the most incredible story. It's just a constant reminder that inside each of us that 
we really don't know what we're capable of until we push. In our program, uh, there are some people that in their 60s that have done some amazing things. There's a guy, another guy, his name was Bob. Bob worked at a company for a long time, didn't do anything really athletic for 40 years because when he was young, he was kicked off of the soccer team. He, he, he didn't make the team and it affected him. So he didn't do anything athletic from being in school to 60 years old working for a company. Started our program, lost 80 pounds, became, uh, started getting really good at running and biking and qualified for the U.S. team. Was competing, ath or, uh, competing athletically with... Um, at a high level, at 62, I think he was 62 at the time. Um, another girl on the program, for those of you on our program, you know her as Nurse Jen. Nurse Jen, what Nurse Jen has done at 65 years old and a woman and five foot nothing, did almost a two-hour swim and swam across the Columbia River because after she lost her weight, she decided she wanted to be an athlete, started lifting heavy. It is incredible what you can do when you actually push yourself and see what you're capable of now in the title of this podcast i had said if you want to be rich or you want to be healthy that this is what you need to track and in the interview with dave here in just a minute you're going to get an idea of one of the reasons that he does do well and that is he tracks all the numbers that are important to what he's trying to accomplish so he is important to him to be a good golfer. And I ask him about golf. And wait do you hear the stats that he has about his golfing routine. It's incredible. The reason that he's good at that is because he works hard. He gets a little bit of coaching. And then he tracks what he's doing so he knows where he is. In that case, the thing that would be important to track would certainly be your number of putts, uh, your number of pars, the number, uh, your score for the round. You know, maybe even how many times a week you're tracking, maybe how many times a week you're getting coaching. See, those are the numbers that matter to that. When he talks about the, the races that he goes to, because he does like 10 or 12 races a year now. It's incredible. And he's going to go to nationals and, again, hopefully uh, represent the U.S. at some point. And, and plans to win the thing, is training to win it at 64. When he talks about the numbers, like he's tracking his workouts. He's getting coaching and talking to people and learning different workouts. He's tracking his times for the different races. He's track, he, he pays attention to the amount of time of rest that he gets in between his workouts. Uh, we didn't talk much about his food because I, I, I didn't think that that was where I wanted to go with that conversation in his case because he's past that point where he's trying to lose weight, where a lot of people in our program are losing weight. But I'll bet you anything that he's very careful, and he knows like if he's getting enough protein. He knows if he's getting enough of the right branched-chain amino acids. He knows you know, the, uh, you know, if he's getting the right amount of carbs based on when he's competing and when he's not. Like, that's why that works for him, because he works hard, he has a coach, and he tracks the numbers that matter. Now... When you come to our program, if you know anybody on our program, what you'll find is that's why people do so well on our program is because we have them track the things that matter. Tracking's not fun. It's not exciting. Knowing that you ate an apple and it has 81 calories is not enjoyable, and it's definitely not fun writing it down. 
But remember, 72% of the nation is overweight or obese because they never take control of the numbers that affect what they're trying to accomplish. And if you want to lose weight, that main number that you have to get control of is the calories that are going into your body. Sure, it's important that you exercise. Sure, it's important that you know you eat enough carbs and protein and fat and, and those mixes are decent. But absolutely, number one is getting control of the amount of calories that you're eating and that you're eating less than what you need and doing it consistently. Um, when it talks, when I uh, when I had mentioned uh, coaching, you'll hear him in his interview talking about coaching. Well, even the best athletes in the world, if he wins the national champion championship and becomes the the U.S. representative uh, for his sport and his age group. He's still going to have a coach. He still uses coaches because coaches give you direction. That's what we do when people lose weight. Like everybody knows you need to eat less and and move more. But how do you do it consistently when you're wiped out because you're tired? How do you do it consistently when you're concerned about your job in and because the coronavirus has overwhelmed you? And how do you do it consistently when your relationship is in shambles and your kids are driving you crazy because they never go to school anymore? That's where a coach steps in and says, this is how those situations can be solved. This is how people move past that. Just like his coach will say, this is what you need to do to go from 34 seconds to 34 and a half seconds. Just like his golf coach would tell him, this is what you need to do to start hitting one or two more pars every round and shave three or four strokes off of your game every couple months. And I had made you a promise well, what if you want to be uh, rich? Again, it's all about the numbers. Certainly, if you want to be rich, you have to create a, a product that people want. But in the end of the day, at the end of the day, if you talk to people that are very, very successful in business, they do the same things that people do in athletics and people do in writing books. They track the numbers that matter. They know what their expenses are. They know what their revenue looks like. They know, you know, who's being productive in their in their areas. And so if you don't like tracking things and you're trying to make money or get healthy or learn to golf or write a book, you need to start love tracking things. And as you listen to this interview with Dave that is so inspiring, you'll hear that at 64 years old, a lot of people when they get to that age, they just want to sit down and relax. But this guy tracks all these numbers that matter to him in his life. And because of that, he's living a super full life. Because of that, when he meets, I don't know if he has uh, grandkids or not, but if he does, um, before, uh, like, his, his grandkids are going to see him and they're going to be inspired. Like, they're going to be athletes in his family because they looked at a 64 year old guy that got up off, off the couch and said, you know what? I want to do something and I'm willing to work hard to get it and I'm willing to be open-minded to learn it. And I'm going to track every detail of it so I know when I'm winning and I'm losing and I need to work hard and I'm not working hard enough. Tracking what you do is valuable. And if you hate it, that's okay because it helps you get to where you want to go. So anyhow, I am going to now let you listen to the interview with Dave. Dave and I just met and I asked him uh, if he would do this like that one day. And I have a feeling we're going to be communicating a lot over the years because I, I just love people like this. I really do. And you're going to be really inspired when you listen to this. Stay healthy. Keep working hard. 
Track the numbers that are important to what you're trying to accomplish. And you'll constantly be moving towards the things that you want. All right, here it is. Enjoy. All right. Well, on the phone with me is Dave. And Dave, you and I met a couple days, uh, a couple well, yesterday, when I was at the track running my miles, and you were at the track running like a 22-year-old kid. Did I pretty much accurately, <laughs> accurately describe that properly? Well, well, I don't know if you accurately described it, but uh, we did meet at the track, uh, and I was <laughs> running as hard as I was able to. You definitely were running that hard. I'm, I'm telling you what, man. When I was when I was uh, uh, running, when I was doing my first walk lap, getting ready to run my mile. Actually, before I say this, let me tell everybody who's listened to this call. Dave is 65 years old and competes in track events. Dave, how tall are you? Uh, five five. Okay, good. And at five five. Dave thought, you know what, as a 65-year-old sprinter, I think what I should do since I'm so tall and my legs are so long is that I should compete in the hurdles. So Dave is a 65-year-old sprinter who competes around the, around the nation, and I, I, I don't know if you said around the world, and also does hurdles and runs like freaking lightning. And we were at the track the other day, and I was running. I was uh, I was doing my first lap, and you blew by me, and I'm like, what just happened? I mean, I was <laughs> amazed. So tell me a little bit. Go back about your, um, you know, back in your in your high school and your I don't know if there were college years, your younger years. Were you a sprinter back then? Uh, I was a sprinter and hurdler back uh, in high school. I was blessed to have a uh, a dad that uh, he was a teacher coach and just uh, really was very encouraging to me and uh, set a good role example and uh, just I was, I was just very blessed in that respect. Um, I ran track in high school along with uh, played football and wrestled and then uh, went on to wrestle in college and thought my track days were done until I retired. <laughs> that's awesome. And of course, that's what everybody does. You know, they retire and think, you know what I should start doing? I should start competing in track. That is so amazing. So, hey, going back for a minute, when you were, talk when you were talking about um, uh, you ran back in school, so uh -huh. we're talking 45 years ago, yeah. which means, I mean, what, when are we, what, what year would that be? It was, uh, I graduated high school in 74. So it was uh, right. cinder tracks and uh, uh, yards instead of meters. And so it was a little bit different uh, competition. You know, at that, at that time, uh, you know, if you fell in the hurdles on a cinder track, it did not feel good. And yeah, that, so I was going to ask you if it was a dirt track or a cinder track. Describe yeah. for somebody that would be on this program that's 30 years old, doesn't even know what you're talking about, what is a cinder track? Cinder track is a track that would have a dirt base, and then it had very fine rock on it. And so, uh, uh, you know, the, the spikes you would use were much longer than what you would use today on the all-weather surface tracks because of the dirt. But then, like I said, if you fell in the cinders uh, on the rocks, it left a pretty nasty... Uh, scrape on on you, uh, and so you know, that that made it a little bit challenging. And then the uh, 
the other thing too was the weather. You know, if if we had rainy spring days, which you hadn't have in Nebraska a lot, you know, the track would get pretty soft, and uh, that made it a challenge also. But you, yeah, but you had to run anyhow, didn't you? Yes. Yes. Yeah, for sure. What what were the hurdles like at that time? Were the hurdles wood? Yes. Yeah, they were. They were, uh, weren't they? Well, it said they had. I think they had a metal stand uh, legs, but uh, they were, the tops were wood. Yes, definitely. Uh, that's now, interesting. Now fiber so. Yeah, I know. And the track, of course, is like this space-age material that's so soft yeah. and spongy. I mean, you could run on that stuff all day long and not have back or exactly. knee problems because yep. it's so – it's like running in grass. It's even better probably. Yep. yep. Uh, you know, I wonder, I wonder if over time, if you were to take um, – if you were to go back, let's say, to 1960, right, and you took uh-huh. like the greatest runner in 1960, I don't know, you took Jesse Owens or something, right, and – you ha- and you could just have him run on what they ran back then and have him run on what we run right now, these soft, like it's like tire material. If you could have him run on that, I wonder if just the spring would cut off, you know, half a second or something on a 100-yard dash. I bet you it, it would make it a would, difference. It would be amazing. You know, those guys would it, just, uh, they, they would be in awe of the surface and then what it would do to their times. Uh, you know, I just watched a documentary last night on Jesse Owens. It's funny. So it's funny you used him as an example and watching him run and at the, you know, at the Olympics. I mean, he's scooping out a little area in the dirt for his kind of like blocks that we use today. You know, for his blocks? Yeah, for blocks. Kind of scooping out a little area in the dirt. And, and uh, it, it was you know, it'd be mind-blowing for them to run on a track like uh, today's surface. You know, like, maybe they probably, they don't have starting blocks for, like, the longer races. I'll bet you after that race, they probably had to fill that in somehow. That's amazing. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, when I was, um, when I was so fascinated by, and and I wanted to talk to you, when I was so fascinated, as I kept passing you, as I was doing my laps, I was watching, trying to figure out, what the hell is this guy doing? Because you know what I mean? Like, here he is. He's got definitely got some good running shoes. And you looked like you were in shape. But I'm thinking, why is this guy going to do sprinting practice? Because you're obviously not 19. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then you were setting up your blocks. And I'm like, I mean, how serious does this guy need to be? And then I figured it out when you passed me. So you do a bunch of races. You, you were talking about um, you travel around and do races when the world's not in the middle of a pandemic. Tell me a little bit about these races. Well, first of all, you know, when I started running again, it was 2017. And uh, at that time when I retired, I, I've always hated to run distance. So I have it, all the admiration in the world for people like yourself that was out running miles yesterday and people that – run uh, 5Ks, 10Ks, half marathons. I, I, that is so impressive to me to see people do that. <laughs> so when I, when I retired at, at, in 2017, I said to my wife, I said, you know what, I'm just going to force myself to run a 5K every month. I'm just going to do it. That's, that's what I'm going to do to stay in shape. And I did it for 17 months straight. Then I found out, about the Cornhusker games and the track portion of it. I'd always competed in the games. I I did wrestling for many years, and then I did golf for many years. 
but I'd never done the track. And I thought, you know, that's kind of cool that they got track for different age groups. And I could still run track. So I entered the sprints and the hurdles because that's what I'd ran in high school. And it was kind of funny. The day of the meet, we got there, and I had kind of tweaked a hamstring a month before, so I hadn't done any practice over the hurdles. And my wife said to me, she said, are you going to be okay going over the hurdles? And I said, well, it's been 45 years. We're going to find out. And, uh, <laughs> 45. So had it really been 45 years since you've jumped over a hurdle pretty much? It was 43, actually, you know, to – Oh my gosh. 17 to 74. And uh, so then, you know, I, I competed in that meet, uh, uh, got four golds, and uh, just had a blast. But I met somebody there that talked to me about, told me about there was an uh, organization called the National Senior Games, and it said that every state has their own senior game track meet. And so I looked into that and found out Nebraska's was going to be in August that year. So I entered that and went there to compete. And while competing there, I met a guy from Illinois, from uh, uh, Edwardsville near St. Louis. And he was telling me that there are meets all over the nation for masters. So the first thing that went through my mind, Tony, was, hey, I can quit this distance stuff and running those five Ks. <laughs> <laughs> this this was your way out course. of doing five Ks. <laughs> exactly. So, That's so, so great. Back to doing, doing sprints and hurdles, and the the philosophy I've I've always had. This is this is what I live by. I've always tried to tell my uh, get my my sons to live this way and and that is you know there are people out there that are faster than me and there are people out there that are stronger than me and there are people out there that are better than me but there is nobody out there that is going to outwork me and I just have always tried to uh, look for types of workouts different methods you know that anything I can do that's going to help improved me on the track. And so I uh, uh, began competing nationally with, uh, with track. And I, uh, last year, I had meets in Las Vegas, Albuquerque, uh, San Antonio, Colorado Springs, Fort Collins, Wichita, uh, Chicago, Minneapolis, Quad Cities, out in Virginia, um, Lincoln, Kearney. You know, I've, I have meets all over. And, uh, in fact, right before uh, you called, I was just researching uh, the World Masters. The next track meet for that is 2021 in Finland. So that's going on my calendar, and that's what I'm going to uh, be working towards over this next year. Dude, I'll tell you what, I, I, I would be looking for any excuse to travel out of the country, um, and that's as good a reason as any. Do you travel quite a bit? I love to travel. Well, I've, I've uh, been very blessed, Tony, in that uh, I have actually played at least five golf courses in all 50 states. And, wow. Uh, played uh, played at least 10 in 36 of the 50 states and played – every course in Nebraska, uh, 
and played over 1,100 different golf courses. And so I uh, love to travel. I love to travel. Man, you do some serious golfing. Okay, so now that raises a question that has nothing to do with nothing, and that is um, there are golf courses in Alaska? I've played 14 up there. I think in Alaska, I think I was the only person that's ever traveled to Alaska with their golf clubs. I, I think most people, you know, they, they'll travel to, to Hawaii or other, you know, destinations, tropical destinations with their golf clubs, but I don't know that anybody's traveled to Alaska with them. <laughs> it's, it's a long way to carry your clubs. Well, you know, uh, you, you'd appreciate this, something that uh, my dad and I have done over the last couple of years. Uh, my dad is not a big traveler at all, but he loves to play golf as much as you probably do. And uh, he is, just loves it. So one of the things that we started doing a couple of years ago is every year we go play um, just some random no-name course within uh-huh. a couple hours of where we are. And so, you know, like we'll, we'll look at the map and pick a city and see if there's a golf course in Logan, Iowa. And if there is, we set a tee time and some one day in the middle of the week, we'll go out and play it. And we do that a couple times a year and we take a bunch of videos and, and uh, it's just an absolute riot. And the thing is pretty much every time we've done this, like we're just shocked that there are great, like really good courses and we get there and nobody's on them, you know, because they're yeah. in these little towns and they're just yeah. beautiful. And so, yeah. yeah, we've got some, we've had a lot of fun There's with so that. So, hidden, so, yeah, you've. I was just going to say so many hidden gems out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. Your, your philosophy on that you wouldn't be outworked. Um, and I'm sure you're a well-read person, but uh you know, pretty much when you find somebody that is very, very successful, uh, you'll find that you, you'll hear that phrase, that philosophy a lot. And for anybody that's listening to this, you know, that's a hard thing to, it's an easy thing to say, but it's a hard thing to do. But I will tell you this, when you actually make the decision that, look, you know, you're willing to get up at four o'clock if that's what it takes. Or in your case, Dave, you were talking about, I'm going to ask you about your three day, uh, three workouts a day. Um, you know, you want to do something more. You don't want to be one of these old guys that, you know, are sitting on the couch, you know, trying to beat the guys on uh, wheel of fortune. Like you want to yeah. do something. And that's, what's so beautiful right. about what you're doing. And although the, the hard work and that, that, that action of actually outworking people for real, it's hard. Like it leaves you with a fulfilled life. On these podcasts, I'm always talking about like there are times where I have really, really busy days because I'm always being pulled so many different directions like a lot of people. But the only time that I can work out is 4 o'clock in the morning. And if that's what has to be done, then that's what has to be done. And it's just, it's, it's just a great philosophy. It really is. So of these, I, uh, of these last meets – go ahead. Well, go first ahead. of all, can I give you an example of that? Uh, Please. You know, just what you were talking about and what I was talking about there – you know, when I was in college, as I mentioned, I wrestled in college. And my wrestling coach, first, uh, our first meeting in September that year, my freshman year, said to us, so I expect every one of you to do either 30 minutes of running, jogging uh, every day outside of the practice room or 1,500 jump ropes. 
And so as a college freshman, I'm thinking to myself, okay, 1,500 jump ropes, 30 minutes running. As much as I hate distance running, that's an easy choice. I'm going to do the 1,500 jump ropes. Well, I started doing that, Tony, and I could do 1,500 without missing in 10 minutes and really got to where I loved the workout, so much so that after college and during my work career, I continued to jump rope whenever I had the opportunity. The job that I retired from, I was on a plane every Monday morning and would get home every Friday, and a jump rope was something I could easily pack in my suitcase. And so back in, uh, uh, back in about 2000, I think it was 2003, I said to my wife, I said, you know what, the only reason I miss a day from jump roping is because I don't make it a priority. I'm going to make it a priority, and I'm going to see how long I can do this without missing a day. Now, by that time, I was doing 3,000 jumps a day. So I was doing 20, you know, 20 minutes of jump rope without stopping. Sometimes I had to do it, you know, like you said, 4, 4.30 in the morning. Sometimes I did it. I, I did it a few times in an airport. Um, you know, I did it wherever. But I started on that January 1st, see how long I could go without missing a day. I made, made it seven years and nine months without missing a day of jump rope. And the only reason I missed then was because I had gone out for an early morning run in Chicago and stepped in a pothole and twisted an ankle. And I tried to jump rope, but I just couldn't do it on that ankle. And so I had to miss, miss a couple days then. But, you know, if you set your mind to something and you just say, you know, hey, I'm going to do it, you know, you can do it. Yeah, no, it's a great story. You know, you and I, the moment we started talking, I knew that um, we probably get along really well. The, our, our, um, our program, what we teach people, it's basically this very simple concept of, look, you don't have to go buy a bunch of crazy things. You don't have to, you know, blow your money on special foods and all that. It's all about creating momentum so that hard things become natural. And jumping rope is a tough thing to do. Um, I, when I was in school, I jumped a lot of rope. I jump rope. The longest I've ever gone at one time straight um, is I jumped nonstop for three hours one time for an event. Oh, wow. And so I'm, wow. a, I'm a jump roper too, big time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that was the longest. But there was a time when I was going through school where I jumped for an hour every single night for probably not like seven years like you're talking, but it was probably six months or a year. And um, what's interesting is, is jumping rope, as you know, is kind of like swimming. They are both really, really hard to do for a long period of time. When you yeah. get in the pool, you, 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 for, you forget how hard it is to swim like for 20 minutes straight. And when you start oh. jumping rope, it's amazing how hard that is to do straight for 10 or 15 or 20 minutes. And so our program is built around this concept of, look, everything's hard. Eating is right is hard. Exercising is hard. Being consistent is hard. It's all hard. But the goal is, is to utilize us as coaches so that you get to a point where even when it's difficult, you still do it. I mean, um, 
because you have yeah. momentum. You just get in that routine. Yeah. And when you talk about the seven years and nine months, that's what you did. You created like this huge momentum where you couldn't even think about not jumping. In fact, as you're describing, when you, when you hurt yourself that day, I, mean, I can only imagine how, how injured you were after, yeah. you know, to break a not jump after seven years. And yet, I guarantee you tried to jump on one leg and, you I know, you, I know, I guarantee it because that's <laughs> what happens when you do something consistently, you get momentum and then it starts to make sense to do the right thing instead of doing the wrong thing. And the other thing that you're doing that I want to bring up, um, people on my program, I t uh, there's, a, there's a lot of tracking that we do in our program. So people track their foods and they, they track their exercise. And, you know, when they track their exercise, like when I was running those miles yesterday, on the miles that I ran, I know what my time is and then I try to beat it next time. Well, like this is something obviously that you're doing well. You're tracking how many days you have um, jumped rope. And you're tracking the number of jumps you're doing. Now, for somebody that's not healthy, they would look at the number of jumps and go, that is the most ridiculous thing in the world to count the number of jumps. But the truth is, if you don't count it, how can you know if you're doing better or you're doing worse? And it even goes to, as I was listening to you, it even goes to, I was listening to you talk about your golf. I mean, you obviously set these goals and go after them. And one of those goals was to play a certain number of golf courses in 50 states. And the thing is, you know, I've done 20 rounds in these 20 states and 10 rounds in these states and 1,100 rounds, you know what I mean? And for somebody that's trying to be healthy and, and you, know, you don't want to be overweight anymore and you want to be strong or if you want to run in these races, to get control of these numbers that affect your life, it's a big thing. It gives you something to build on. It lets you know where you are and, and lets you know if you're improving. So I think yep. it's cool yep. that you're doing that. But thank you, Tony. A couple things on what you said. You know, first of all, going back to what you were talking about coaching and uh, helping those people and coaching them through those. You know, I, uh, using golf as an example and, and track, but using golf, first of all, as an example, um, I, I was a fairly good, fairly did fairly well at, on, on the golf course, uh, but I a challenge for myself was I, I play with hundred-year-old antique shaft hickory shaft golf clubs, and that's all I play with. I haven't swung a modern club in the 20th century, but uh, when I play, and like I said I've done very well, you know, very well. I won the Cornhusker Games uh, uh, tournament with my hickory shafts against people playing in with modern clubs. And, uh, but what I've always said was, you know, I had people, when people would ask me about, you know, practicing and things like that, and I said, well, you know, I have a coach. You know, I've always believed in that, you know, you look at somebody like Tiger Woods, and I'm not, you know, he has a coach. The best golfer in the world and he has a coach that, he, that helps him, guide him, gives him suggestions, and helps support him and gets him through and to the points where he wants to go. And I was the same way with, with golf, and I'm the same way with track. I've approached multiple coaches to talk to them about types of workouts that I need to do or should be doing or different things I can do to be better and improve. You know, certainly I can go out and do these things on my own. However, 
when I have a little bit of guidance or support that keeps me on the right track and in the right direction, it makes a, makes a huge difference. Now, back to, to tracking, you know, I've always believed that, uh, my wife always says that uh, the Excel spreadsheet is Dave's best friend. Um, I, I use that so much, for whether it's for golf or jump rope or track or workouts. I'm recording all kinds of stuff. And, for example, just uh, my, my workout the other day, and, and I find myself, I, I laugh to myself, Tony, I think I work harder on the track now than I did when I was in high school. Uh, wow. But, uh, I, uh, my workout the other day on the track, you know, I did. Uh, I always finished my warm up with uh, doing 400, 100 meter sprints, and then I get to the meat of my workout. And my workout was uh, going to be eight two hundreds that day, but the challenge was I needed to run each one faster than the previous one. And so, you know, when I ran the first one, I marked the time down. And when I ran the second one, I marked the time down. And the same thing with the third one. The fourth one, when I got done with that, my wife was, uh, she'll a lot of times go to the track and she'll do walking when, I, when I'm there. And she was going by after I did my fourth one. I said, oh, man, I did that one too fast. <laughs> I said, I don't know if I can go to progress to the right way. I went too fast on that one. But uh, I, I was able to do that, and I finished with my last one, was the the fastest, but I always, with that last sprint in my workouts, whether it's a 200-meter sprint, a 300-sprint, 100, or whether it's hurdles, whatever it is, I always say to myself, and this goes back to all of us when we were kids, whatever our favorite sport was, we've all put ourselves in this situation, but I'll say to myself, okay, I win nationals, if I run this one in 32 seconds or whatever it might be, and then that gives me the drive. I forget about how tired I am. I just go out there, and I go all out on that last one, and I usually blow away the time that I say to myself that I need to run in. That's really cool. You know, the, um, you obviously have a, you know, have a strong ability to you know to stay focused on on your goal and that's you know that's not the easiest thing to do for people um but i think that um the you know obviously you know over the years you've developed a strong a very strong work ethic but i i i i think and anybody listening to this you cannot minimize the value of when you said that your you know your wife said about the excel spreadsheets and how you track everything you know you cannot like under minimize the value of that because you know when you know what your numbers are you know when you know when you're improving when you know when you're not working out hard enough when you see those accomplishments build up like it creates confidence and it it creates a reason to do what you're doing you know when I was when I was younger when I first started running there was a cop in my neighborhood that his name was Bill Black and he was a really nice guy and he ran a couple miles every couple days my neighborhood and I asked if I could run with him once but I'd really never run before that. You know, I was like, I don't know, 11 or 12 or something. He said, sure. sure. So we went for a run. And when I came back, I wrote down my two-mile time on a piece of paper. 
I was just curious. So then we ran the yeah. next time, and it was a little bit faster. And then I ran the next time. Well, two weeks later, I had that posted on the refrigerator. And yeah. like I walked by that yeah. 10 times a day going, I'm going to beat that time today. <laughs> you know what I mean? It creates yeah. this inner competition um, that – you know, forces you to go further and, and, and even believe that you can go further, which is super yep. cool. You, so you talk about so that tell me. Posted, well, I, just real quick, you talk about that being posted on the refrigerator. I had mm-hmm. posted in our house, in, on the mirrors in the workout room, in the bathroom, in my office, uh, this, you know, I have a picture of where the world masters are going to be held and then below it, I have a, a note that says, visualize it, and it will happen. If my mind can conceive it and my heart can believe it, I know I can achieve it. And then I have the time awesome. that I need to run to be number one in the USA and number one in the world. You know, I, I feel like um, we need to revisit the very beginning of this uh, discussion. Okay, I know everyone listening to this right now, I know this is all amazing and it's fantastic, but I just want to remind you again. Dave is 65 years old. Like this is not how 65-year-olds typically talk. For those of you that heard, have heard um, uh, Nurse Jen in, the, uh, in these conference calls, Nurse Jen thinks a lot like this too. She gets really fanatical about you know, when she's lifting weights and how much she can lift and you know, what she can do with her swimming. And she's the same age, and it is the most beautiful thing to get off the freaking couch and stop thinking I'm too old or I can't do that or I waited too long. I mean, for God's sake, Dave, like you said 43 years without jumping over a hurdle. And then all of a sudden yeah. you're like, you know, I should just start hurdling again like three <laughs> years ago. That's amazing. So what are your goals next? What's, so you, you want to win the world, you want to win the world championship. That's your goal, right? I, I do. In the, the 300 meter hurdles, the, my goal is to, win the world championships and uh you know i just i can't wait to wear the usa uniform and and uh and do that that's that's my goal um i have so what what time do you have to run to do that well i feel like you know it uh what i was going to have to do this year the, the just to give you a little bit of history the worlds were supposed to be held this summer and that's what i was pointing towards they were going to be in Toronto uh, because, as you mentioned, this is not a normal year. Uh, they were canceled. And so then that changes uh, things because you don't know when the next one's going to be. Well, I just got an email this morning uh, from the United States Track and Field Association, uh, and they announced that they are going to have uh, World Outdoor Meet next year. So rather than going every other year, what they do is put, they've done is push the rest of their schedule back. And 2021, the World Masters will be held. They're going to be over in Finland. And so now I have to adjust my goal to that. But now it's kind of funny, Tony. I was uh, this if I would have competed this July, I was going to be in the 60 to 64 age group because I'm was. Uh, would be 64 at that time. However, I turned 65 very oh, soon. And this so is going to be better for you. It, 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 I, you know, it's kind of funny when I, I had to go in for a physical re- recently to the doctor and 
And she, the first thing, one of the first things she said, you know, boy, it's such a joy to meet somebody your age that isn't, you know, taking all kinds of medication or complaining about things. And and uh, and I said to her, I said, you know, I can't wait till I'm 65, so I'll be the baby in my age group. Yes, and, uh, that's what I was just getting. I figured you were going there. Yeah. So so what that does is, and that changes. <laughs> some goals and things like that, but it doesn't change my time goal because my my feeling is, you know, if I keep working, my times should not go down that much. I mean, to the go go up as far as uh, getting slower. That should not happen as long as I'm working working hard and doing the right things. Um, and so I. Uh, have some time goals that I feel like I need to run to win the 300-meter hurdles. I think I need to uh, be probably right around 46 flat next year to win it. I think I could win it at 47, but uh, you know, if I set a, set a goal to try to get to 46, I think that's, uh, that, that would definitely uh, uh, win it. So that's kind of what uh, well, I'm pointing What's for your best there. time? Right now it was 47.4, um, but uh, that it's it's uh, you know I don't get to run it very often. You know that, that I think I had a half dozen meets with it last year. Um, it's just tough to you know I had to, I had the 300 meter hurdles in Vegas, and then uh, that was my only meet before nationals that I uh, was able to run them in. I ran second at nationals. And then uh, I ran uh, uh, ran them again at uh, State Games of America out in Virginia, and then uh, in Fort Collins and in Wichita. But uh, I went this winter and talked to a track coach, and I said, "Okay, here's the deal. This is what I run in the hundred. This is what I run in the two hundred. This is what I've run in the three hundred hurdles." My feeling is there shouldn't be that much of a drop-off in that 200 to 300 meters, in that last 100 meters. I need you to help me, give me some, some things that I can do to become stronger in, those, in that final 100 meters. And so what you saw me doing yesterday is I was working on the first five hurdles, uh, you know, that's about 190 yards, 190, or 190 meters in that race. And I really try to work hard on those first five, getting the same step. I love getting the hurdles with my left leg. But the death ray for people in somebody that runs those, that race is that they stutter step so that they can go over with the leg they're comfortable with. And so that's another thing. I've always alternated legs. You know, when I ran in high school, I did left leg, right leg, left leg, right leg. And so I'm comfortable with both legs. I just prefer the left. But I try to get the first five hurdles with my left leg. And then my feeling is that last 100 meters, I'm just going as hard as I can. And whatever leg comes up, that's what I take it in, the hurdles. Really? Gosh, that's so cool. That is so amazing. Oh, it's just incredible. You know, um, after you sometime when you're not training super hard, okay, and you have like a, like a gap between 
races and you could risk this. Uh, you and the races that I like to do the most is I, I like to do the obstacle course races. So I like the, the tough mutters and the, what are the other uh-huh. ones? The tough mutters and the warrior dashes. And have you ever done one of those races? You know what? I was kind of looking into those a little bit when I was doing the, the five K's every month, because that was something mm-hmm. you just, you, you saw out there. And I didn't, do one. I did do a 5K run uh, out in Hershey, uh, Nebraska, that you ran through the river probably four or five times, and uh, so you got kind of muddy there. But there was uh, no obstacles or you know anything like that. So uh, that would be interesting. I think it'd be it'd be a good challenge. It'd be fun. When you're in between your big races, one of the times I'm going to hit you up for one of those and see if you'd be interested. I did one of these with my my dad. Um, on our program lost, uh, about 15 years ago, he lost about a hundred pounds and he's kept almost a hundred pounds off for the whole time. And he smoked, I don't know, four packs a day for 30 years and, uh, drank maybe a case of beer for a day for maybe 30 years. You can imagine, and he was a hundred pounds overweight. You can imagine what kind of shape he was in. And then he lost yeah. 100 pounds on our program 15 years ago. And so a couple of years ago, he's 75 now, so he's quite a bit older than you. But um, a couple of years ago, uh, we did a, a Warrior Dash run together. And yeah. it was so great because at the time, I think he was 73. And he did all every obstacle, like without wow. assistance. And it, there was this one spot where you had to climb up this this wall and you had to kind of go out and back over. So it was kind of an, an awkward climb. And I'd, I'd run up there and climbed over it real quick. And I was up on the top, so I could kind of help him if he needed some help. And he looked like he wasn't going to be able to make it. And I reached down just to kind of give him a little nudge. And I'm mm-hmm. telling you, that was the dirtiest look I've ever received from my dad <laughs> in my entire life. <laughs> he looked at me like, do not touch me. Help. And yeah. <laughs> pulled himself over. <laughs> it was so great. Uh, but man, that would be a lot of fun to do sometime. So how many, uh, so how many days, uh, you're doing three workouts a day right now. Some of them really big, some of them small, I'm guessing. What, what I do is, uh, I'm on the track every day and, uh, those workouts vary between, uh, uh, maybe a strength endurance type workout, uh, where I'm doing, uh, maybe a ladder. Like the other day I did 200, 300, 400, 300, 200 in addition to my 100s. Um, so I do a strength endurance workout. I'll do hurdle workouts. I'll do, today was a speed workout. So I'm working at top speed today uh, for short distances. Uh, I may be doing, uh, working on blocks come, or my start. So there's a, a lot of different types of workouts that I do, but I'm on the track every day. Uh, I lift weights every other day and do a core workout with, you know, at the end of the weight session. And then on the days that I don't lift weights, then I do a uh, uh, Airdyne bike, indoor bike, and uh, elliptical. And then I do my core uh, workout. And then, uh, mm. and then we walk our, I w- walk our dog every day two miles, and we live in a very hilly neighborhood, so... You're getting some good hill work there, and uh, so that's yeah, that's what I do every day. 
Do you, I'm going to guess that you lift weights probably after your track workout, I'm guessing. Yes, yes. I, I, don't, want, I don't like to lift right before I'm going to be running. I don't want those muscles to be tight, yeah. Do you lift right after it? Is that when you go, you go straight and lift right after that? No, I, I usually will go and do the uh, dog walk just because of uh, uh, temperature. You know, I, I, I would feel pretty guilty taking our dog out on a, uh, you know, in 90 degrees and having him walk those hills. It, it, we, our dog is an old English sheep dog, the uh, yeah. you know, shaggy dog from the Disney movies. And so he gets pretty hot. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, so we try to go, you know, early. So I do that. And then I, I will do the weight uh, in the afternoon. Yeah. Give yourself plenty of time to recover before the morning. Yeah. Well, I have enjoyed this conversation so much. And, uh, I, um, now that we're through, um, if you don't want me to share this, you can just tell me right now. I have no problem with that. No, no, I, you can certainly share it. In fact, I was telling my wife yesterday, uh, after looking at your site, I said, man, I, I wanted to, wanted to share that the, your site with my, one of my sisters because, you know, I think she's overweight and, uh, uh, and she could really use something like this. I think she would definitely benefit from it. Um, but then I thought, I said to her, you know, I said, so, but how do you tell somebody, you know, that, you know, hey, I think you you need to do this, and so you know, I thought, you know what? I thought, you know what? If if I uh, do the with with the podcast, if there's a way for me to for her to listen to that, I thought, you know what? I could share that with her, but take her to your site to uh, and maybe uh, in an offhanded manner there get her to look at your site and. And get interested. I'll I'll definitely make sure you have access to it for sure, and I'll, I'll tell you how I'm going to do that because it will actually be on our members pages. But I'll I'll make sure that you have access to it. You'll see. And I, I got to tell you something about this, okay? So in case your sister does listen to this, uh, uh-huh. it, it's so great. Like this is one of the things that people on our program deal with all the time, and that is you know they start losing weight and they start feeling better, and then they have a cousin or a family member and just like you said, you can't call him and say, hey, you know, I couldn't help but notice how fat you were. Uh, <laughs> I have just a thing, all right? And yeah. that doesn't work. And so the way that people do it, but your sister's going to hear this, so. But the only reason that you want to say anything at all is because you love her. And that's the way that everybody yeah. does. It. And there's yeah. no way for, you know, to get that message across. And um, the way that I tell people to do it is this. What you do is if there's ever anybody you want to inspire besides your sister that, you know, has not heard this, what you do is you go to the person that you want to lead here and you don't tell them they need to lose weight. Like you tell them a story. So you go like this. This would be an example. So let's say your your brother was 100 pounds overweight you call him up and you go, hey, what's going on? And he's fine. You say, oh, I was running at the track today and I ran into this guy. And it's such a cool thing. Like there's this guy in our town that helps like all these people lose weight. And there's even a group in, in our town that I guess has lost like 100,000 pounds. Gosh, I looked at his website. That was amazing. And then you just drop the mic. 
that's you don't good. try that's to pitch good. them. Yeah, you don't try to pitch them. You just plant that seed, and then you switch yep. topics and go, so, oh, have you been golfing recently? And before you know it, either later in that conversation or a week later, you'll get a call from that friend and go, hey, what was that website you were talking about? Yep. You, hand them, hand, yeah. you see how you see you just plant that seed and let yeah. it grow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's how you Thank do you. it. So your sister, if she does listen to this, hey, I just want to let you know, you're going to love this program and you're going to be thin and you're going to be healthy soon. And I'm pretty sure you're not going to be able to beat Dave's time on the hurdles. But <laughs> whatever you want to do, uh, you'll see our program is really, really simple. And it's just about getting control of your food and exercise. And we help you when you can. But Dave, I, um, you know, I hope you don't mind me staying in touch a little bit. I'd love to meet you at the track again sometime, even if we're running our own races. And I'd love to stay in touch with you. I have a feeling we're going to get along really well. I would really enjoy that, Tony. All right, man. Hey, I appreciate anything. Any last uh, words you want to say to the people that are listening to this that are now? A lot of people listen when they're exercising uh, to my podcast. Anything you'd want to say to them? One last inspiring thing? Just, uh, just try and do one more one more, you know, if you're doing uh, reps at the weight machine and you're planning on doing 15, do 16. If you're on the bike right now, if you're going to stop at 30 minutes, do 31. Just do one more. I, I do that all the time to myself. It is literally the answer to being healthier is literally doing just the tiniest bit better each day, isn't it? Yep, it is. Yeah. The rule of exercise on our program is 30 to 60 minutes each day of an exercise that you can measure and improve with the intent to improve. That's, that's one of the, that's the exercise rule, yep. just the tiniest little bit. All right. Yep. Hey, I really appreciate it, man. We'll, uh, I, I, sorry, this took so long, but gosh, I was having so much fun and, uh, we'll talk soon. Definitely. Tony, I enjoyed it. So, uh, you have a great day and I'm so glad that fate, uh, brought us together on the track yesterday. Yeah, me too. I'll be with you by tomorrow at the latest to make sure you get the link that you need to where this is going to be posted, okay? Okay, thank you. All right, man. Have a good rest of the day. I'll talk to you later. You too. Okay, bye-bye.